Support for the Growing Bolger podcast comes from the Florida Cancer Specialist. Florida Cancer Specialist urges everyone not to postpone recommended screenings such as mammograms, colonoscopies, or biopsies. Regular screenings save lives. More at flcancer.com slash get screened. Welcome to the Health Channel, All Health All the Time. I'm Olga Villaverde coming to you from the Baptist Health South Florida studios. When it comes to breast cancer, every patient and even every tumor is completely different. That's why it's important to tailor the treatment according to the individual's different characteristics and use what Baptist does, which is a multidisciplinary approach. Joining us today is Dr. Jay Mendez, Chief of Breast Surgery at Miami Cancer Institute. Also joining us is Dr. Lauren Cargas, medical oncologist also at Miami Cancer Institute. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. I do appreciate it. This is obviously a, a topic that is very near and dear to women's hearts. Uh, I think the awareness has uh, really increased over the years of breast cancer. I think we're doing, I think we're moving mountains. Would you say that, Dr. Mendes? I concur. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Caracas? Absolutely. I, I think agree. women are more aware of the mammogram and what they need to do. Uh, we're going to be talking about how breast cancer uh, is prevalent. Uh, and Dr. Mendes, I wanted to go over some statistics uh, that I think people should know. It, mm -hmm. There's no surprise here, but we're just going to show them to you. Most common cancer in women, correct? Yes, it is. And it's the second cause of cancer death in women. Mm. Also, it is the second cause of cancer death uh, in other races and ethnicities. And it's the most common cause of cancer death in African-American women. Okay, and I saw there are also Hispanic women. Any reason yes. why Hispanic and African-American? We think it's related, as I will be talking about, pertaining to the biology of the tumor. Mm. So that type of tumor that they get. All right. Has breast cancer, uh, Dr. Caracas, always been such a common cancer in women? Because my mom will tell me, for example, you know, when I was in Cuba, before I came over, you know, with the revolution and Fidel Castro, she goes, we didn't hear about it. We didn't talk about it. I didn't know anything about breast cancer. My friends didn't have it. But yet now it's like, it seems like in the last, let's say, two decades, I'm going to guess, it's been like really prevalent. So although the prevalence appears that it is on the rise, I think that we're really doing a better job of diagnosing early. So I think that that's probably what people are noticing is that we're diagnosing the disease more often and people are living longer so that you're able to see that, that this disease can manifest over that time period. And would you say, go ahead, Dr. Mendes, I'm sorry. And also we're talking about it. Right. Because we have the awareness, the education. Before we did it because it was too embarrassing probably. Correct. And we have now screening modalities and just the awareness pertaining to breast cancer, so it seems that there's more of it, but as Dr. Karka said, it's about the same. All right, so just interject if you can. Uh, number of diagnoses, is it on the rise or is it decreasing? Ladies? It's stable. Stable. Same. Comparable. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, Dr. Caracas, I know you are on the board for the Women's Breast and Heart Initiative here in South Florida. Uh, tell us about the organization and what the goals are. So this organization is an outreach organization that goes into underserved communities, usually women that are somewhere in the two to 300 percent of the poverty line that are your service workers that might not have government assistance for their insurance mm -hmm. but can't afford commercial insurance 
that are not getting screened. They don't have the same access to care. So it's a door-to-door -door outreach, knocking on doors, educating women about the risks of heart disease, the risks of breast cancer, and also enrolling them in programs that might even be able to offer them free screening for well, those diseases. Fantastic. So when they're home and they think, well, I can't get checked, I can't afford it, I don't have insurance, you're offering maybe the opportunity to get screened for free. Absolutely. Yeah, it's key to remove those barriers because we so know how important that early detection is when we have the best outcomes. So being able to avoid some of those barriers to really up and improve the access is critical. Absolutely. I also know, Dr. Carcas, that June 23rd, it is National Pink Day. I'm actually wearing pink today and it's coincidence completely, <laughs> but it's National Pink Day. Uh, tell us what it is. It's not so much wear pink, it's just National Pink Day. Right, so National Pink Day is just really to celebrate the color, but the Women's Breast and Heart Initiative has kind of taken on the the day or taken over the day to really raise awareness for their summer breast cancer campaign. The breast cancer is year round. It's not just October. We hear so much about it in October. We do. But really, it's we want to raise awareness throughout the year. So we're asking women and men and everybody to wear pink on that day, take a selfie, oh. and post it on social media with the hashtag WBHI Pink Day. Okay, so I'm writing that down. W B like boy H, H I pink, pink day. day. What is the W B H I Women's Breast and Heart Initiative? Initiative. Pink day, so oh, hashtag. So it could be pink nail polish, pink lipstick, pink. it could be a bow, yes. it could be a pink shoes. Exactly. My husband has a pair of pink shoes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Real men wear pink, <laughs> but anything pink, yes. which is nice because you're creating that awareness and you're continuing on. And then we kind of get revved up for October, which is the biggest month for us. Yes, and we actually took a picture of our whole team oh. last Friday so we can post it on Sunday. Oh, that's so, so it's nice. great. Yes. I love it. Maybe we'll do that here at the Health Channel. So we'll all take a picture in Yes. pink and we'll post it on June 23rd. That would be awesome. Perfect. I'm on it. Okay, so when it comes to risk factors for breast cancer, uh, as we explain here on the Health Channel all the time, there are some that you can change and there are some that you cannot change. As we say, you cannot pick your parents. Uh, unchangeable risk factors. So Dr. Bendit, let's uh, have these yes. and then we'll have Dr. Carcas do the other ones. Absolutely. So age, you know, so the older we get, the higher the likelihood of breast cancer, any genetic mutations, uh, race and your ethnic background. When you have dense breasts, that makes the mammogram less sensitive. So having dense breasts is also a risk factor. And certain breast changes or pathologic conditions that really increase your risk of breast cancer, certain abnormal cells, will definitely be something that we cannot change. Uh, genes and family history really plays a role, Dr. Mendez, right? Yes, interestingly though, the vast majority of breast cancers occur sporadically, meaning you do not have any family history, you don't have any genetic mutation, but yet you develop the breast cancer. Only 5% of breast cancers have a genetic mutation associated with them, Look at that. and 10% have somebody in their family who has it. So the vast majority, 85%, occurs sporadically. Look at that, okay. I'm just curious, real quick, Dr. Mendez, so if your mom, let's say, had breast cancer, when should you be screened? And if you know, don't have any family history, when should you be screened? When should you yes. be starting? So we usually look at the age at which your relative was diagnosed with breast cancer. We should really recommend that it should be 10 years prior to the age that your relative was diagnosed with breast cancer. Usually we look at uh, first-degree relatives, your mother, your sister, uh, those are the most important, certainly your grandmother, 
Uh, so if you were diagnosed, uh, my mother was diagnosed at age 40, I should get screened starting at age 30. At least a baseline. A baseline, okay. exactly. Uh, Dr. Carcas, let's do now uh, risk factors that you can do something about. Uh, these are things that really you should make an effort, uh, no doubt about it. Being overweight. Right, so being overweight really, fat tissue increases total body estrogen stores. So our most common type of breast cancer is hormone receptor positive. So the higher levels of estrogen does increase that risk. Radiation exposure. So if you ever received previously radiation to the chest wall as a child that would have included breast tissue, those patients are at increased risk. Hormone replacement therapy. This is the same as, as the increased estrogen. Any exogenous or outside exposure to hormone really can increase the risk of developing breast cancer. And then smoking is really a risk factor for almost all malignancies, but so is alcohol intake. And all of these truly, when you make a, uh, an effort to either quit smoking or stop I guess drinking every day or you know limited I guess is the word I'm looking for yes. or losing it really makes a difference to lose that weight and do all these things right really does it Re does research has shown that healthy mm -hmm. lifestyle is key to prevent any type of cancer because we cannot change our genes so at right. least we need to do whatever we can as individuals to at least maintain a healthy lifestyle exactly all right there is something called like a health score for breast cancer uh, can you define what that means how do you find your health score and there's a breast cancer risk assessment tool that i've never heard of Okay, so, do you want to tackle the health score? So the, the breast cancer risk assessment tool, that's what you're asking uh, okay. about the, the mm -hmm. risk? Yes. So really what that's looking at is it's looking at, has a woman ever had a previous biopsy? Did that biopsy show that there were atypical cells or were they normal cells or were they precancerous cells? They look also at when periods started or when the first time they gave birth is. And then family history also plays into that and breast density in some models. It depends on which model you're using. Depending on that, it kind of comes out with a number of your lifetime risk or your five or 10 year risk, depending on which model is used, of developing breast cancer. And the impact of that is depending upon which model you use is what recommendations we're gonna make for increased surveillance. Are you just gonna get your mammograms once per year with your ultrasound or are we gonna to need to add something like an MRI to further evaluate your breasts, okay? So if you have enough risk, more than 20% mm -hmm. risk of breast cancer, we might order an MRI for that given patient because of their increased risk. So it really is, uh, how can I put it? Uh, it? It's not like before that it just be a couple questions. You're really looking at a huge summary. Maybe that's yes. what I'm trying. It's almost like a yes. term paper, if you will, of, of facts, of the history, current, to really make some sort of diagnosis here. Yes, exactly. what we're trying to do is stratify the risk because not all patients are the same, breast densities are not all the same, and we're trying to stratify the risk so we can better serve that individual patient. All right, so Dr. Carcas, let's go through some notable symptoms that one would notice. For example, the first one is the obvious, a lump. So right, it's really important that women are self-aware, that they know their breast. If they feel a lump, it's important that it is evaluated. Don't just assume it's nothing. Most breast lumps are actually benign and not cancerous, but it's still important for that to be evaluated. Can we expand just on that lump? Because a lot of people sometimes think it has to be this huge, it's, it, they tell me like a little pea size. It can be a can pea size. Can you describe what we should be feeling? Anything that's abnormal or new for your breast. Got it. Is what it should be. It can be the size of a pea, it can be the size of a quarter, it can be the size of a grapefruit. Mm. Women have all different shapes and sizes and textures of breast. What you need to know is how your breast feels. 
Um, skin thickening is also really important. If the skin on your breast tissue changes or it starts to dimple like the peel of an orange, that's a really important thing to seek attention and further evaluation for. It's also important to know if your nipple starts inverting. Nipples are supposed to protrude. Correct. If they start inverting, that's a really important sign because it could be that there's a tumor on the inside that's pulling, pulling it, it in. in. Got mm -hmm. it. Exactly. If you have a nipple discharge that's bloody or, or really just any nipple discharge that is new for you. Certainly an alarm there. It should be evaluated. And breast pain. Most breast pain is normal. Most women have breast pain, particularly around their menstrual cycles. Mm -hmm. So that's not an abnormal finding, but if it's persistent, if it's something that is new and different, it should be evaluated. Now, I will say with all those symptoms, a lot of women out there are gonna be able to relate to me because uh, before, when I used to uh, check myself, I would freak out because I had extremely, extremely, extremely dense breast. So, I mean, I have lumps all over the place. Right. So that would freak me out. And sometimes I say, okay, wait a minute, that's not necessarily a lump so I always have to be cautious about not you know uh, going into like panic alarm mode and that's mm -hmm. why it's so important to know your breast most of the major organizations do not recommend self breast exams because it doesn't impact survival but really a lot of women and partners find breast cancers look at that so it's important to know your breast at 30 percent of the time it is the, either the patient or the partner who feels the lump or who feels the abnormality for the first time. So if you don't know what's normal for you, how can you detect that something has changed? So as Dr. Caracas said, it's critical to know your body so you can detect changes. Absolutely. Uh, there is something called tomosynthesis, and uh, it is a breast cancer screening technology, uh, I'm going to be doing it very soon, uh, that allows doctors to basically see inside the breast more clearly. It's a 3D mammogram that allows for better detection of tumors. Dr. Mendez, I just wanted you to share with our viewers what you were just telling me now about the difference between the, the 2D and the 3D. I mean, it really does allow you to see much more, right? You yes. were explaining that to me. Yeah, so basically what the tomosynthesis does, it takes like 180 degree view of the breast. So we'll be able, instead of just taking a static image of the 2D, we can actually computerize, go look slice by slice in the 180 degree movement so we can see that 3D breast reconstruction. So it's really allowed us to really detect abnormalities a lot earlier. And there are some women that, uh, besides getting the uh, 2D or 3D image, uh, they'll do an MRI or ultrasound. Is that correct, Dr. Caracas? That is correct. So sometimes if you're getting just a regular mammogram, you need the ultrasound to overcome the density of the breast. And those two together can can help them, the radiologist, find a little bit more of the nuances that might not be seen well on an x-ray or just a plain mammogram. And then MRI is indicated if a mammogram and ultrasound does not explain whatever is felt or is seen, or for high-risk screening, okay, it would right. be indicated. So MRI is not a screening tool, though. So we only reserve it, as Dr. Karka said, for high-risk women or women who we cannot get an answer just based on mammogram and ultrasound, but it's not a screening test. Perfect to clarify. So now I want to focus on the effect the treatment can have on a woman's fertility. Uh, is that a common question you hear from patients? Uh, I'm not sure how old women are when they come in. Uh, you mentioned a 30-year-old just a few minutes ago. Is that kind of like a, I'm concerned about this? Absolutely. Yes. It's a, a big conversation, particularly when you're talking about chemotherapy. And unfortunately, a, a lot of your young women mm -hmm. who present tend to have more aggressive disease just because breast cancer 
isn't supposed to affect young women. And when it does, they tend to have a little bit more aggressive disease and may require chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is really what we're thinking about when we're talking about fertility preservation because the chemotherapy can affect the eggs and the quality of those eggs. So of the treatments that we showed earlier, and let's see if we can bring them up real quick again, of these, the surgery, chemo, radiation, hormone therapy, targeted therapy, immunotherapy, which one of these, uh, Dr. Mendez, would have an effect on a woman's fertility? The chemotherapy and the well as the hormone monotherapy, okay. those two. And that's um, when you have to have that conversation. Yes, but the conversation, usually as surgeons, we see the patient first, so that's when the conversation starts. So this 30-year-old that I was talking about mm -hmm. earlier, first visit, I already put up the issue, she hadn't had any children. So I said, are you interested in having children in the future? So I immediately sent her for the oncofertility consultation. And what so, does she have, if you don't mind uh, um, sharing, without a name, of yeah, course? No, she actually has stage zero breast cancer, so she probably will not need chemotherapy. But still, we advise for the patient to refrain from having children at least for five years after completion of the treatment. So therefore, she, by that time, she's going to be 35, still young, but I wanted her to know her options. And what is the, uh, and if I say it incorrectly, doctor, forgive me, the onco-fertility onco fertility. Onco program? meaning to cancer, and then fertility meaning to being able to have children and be fertile. So, so they go fertility. there yes. to do what? Uh, to be evaluated. We have a fantastic service where we refer them, and then they'll go through the whole questionnaire, uh, of their parity as well as their gynecological history. And then from there, they get referred to the fertility specialists that will inform them of all the options from freezing their eggs to their embryos, et cetera, et cetera, prior to uh, commencement of the treatment. Um, now, what kind of issues uh, do you tend to maybe address in older patients that obviously are not uh, concerned about fertility at all at that point? So outside of those comorbid conditions that we had already talked about where you might see more side effects from, from treatment, one of the other side effects that we see from the anti-estrogen and the endocrine therapy is a lot of sexual dysfunction as well. Anytime you are blocking a woman's hormone, they, you increase basically their menopausal symptoms. So more hot flashes, mood swings, mm -hmm. vaginal dryness, joint pains. So those are things that you see in all women affected by, by endocrine therapy, but it tends to be a big issue in women who are already postmenopausal, particularly in their sexual function and, and dryness. Dr. Mendes? Yes, and another aspect in older women is joint pains and muscle pains and also osteoporosis. Mm. So sometimes before we start that, anti, you know, that endocrine therapy, we need to get a baseline bone scan to find out if they already have thinning bones, in which case then we might need to look for other alternatives or monitor them closely. Good point. Now, whether you're young or old, it's important to have strength and determination while battling cancer. I do want to remind our viewers before we end our great show with our two fabulous experts uh, that June 23rd, is National Pink Day. Uh, Dr. Caracas, tell us again just the importance of this day. Yes, so it's National Pink Day, and the Women's Breast and Heart Initiative has really harnessed this day to uh, just raise awareness in their summer breast cancer campaign. So we're asking that everybody wear pink on that day and take a selfie and post it on social media with the hashtag WBHI Pink Day.
All right, that hashtag again is WB, like boy, H-I, pink day. All right, well, I'm not lying. Here's my script. I actually got it from the doctor yesterday. It has my name. It actually says dense breasts. And they're asking for me, look at that, the age is already settling in here. They're asking for the mammogram, which I'm gonna do now the 3D, mm -hmm. and a ultrasound because extremely, extremely dense. Uh, I'm actually looking forward because the doctor told me that the 3D mammogram hurts less than this 2D. Yes. Goodness, which is very difficult <laughs> for me. It's a necessary evil. It is, I know, but when you're small, it's like, it's like they just cram me in there, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Any final thoughts, doctor, before we say goodbye? 30 seconds. Thank you for having us. It's always great, oh. and it's always changing. So dynamic field, new advances, new technology, great outcomes. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you having us here so that we can continue to raise awareness outside of October. It's really important. Are you kidding? We appreciate your time. We know how busy you are. Thank you, ladies, so much. God bless Thank both of you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And I'll let you know how it goes for me yes. with that 3D. Something new. All right. Be sure to join us next time on the Health Channel, All Health All the Time on South Florida PBS. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at All Health TV, where you can get health tips from our experts and see what's coming up on this show as well. You can also visit our website, allhealthtv.com, where you can watch the Health Channel live 24-7. And please download the Health Channel app for your mobile device or smartphone. It's absolutely free. And you can get it at the App Store or Google Play. I'm Olga Villaverde, and we'll see you next time. Don't forget, June 23rd, take a selfie wearing pink, whatever it is. Pink. Your husband can wear pink. Everybody wear pink. Take care.